0: You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit CreeksideCommunity.org. This is a story from a while back. It was a Sunday morning. The room was packed. There were no seats in the house. Two students came to want to hear the gospel presented, and yet they had no seats to sit. And so as they were resolved to just leave quietly, um, an usher uh, pulled them aside and said, where are you going, boys? And they said, well, we're leaving because there's no seat. Let me find you a seat. And so this usher worked the people around in the front and found them two center seats right up in front, and at the end of that service, both boys put their trust in Christ they got saved that day. One of them you know the name of, his name was Billy Graham. Now you know who you don't know the name of? The usher. You don't know the name of the usher, you know who does? God. God knows. And I feel like Creekside is filled with those ushers. You are a faithful congregation. You are a church that I pray for every Sunday for the last six years. Every Sunday morning I pray for you, I pray for your pastor, and I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity for you, me to address you with the word. I, I really feel honored by this because I love your pastor Jeff, and I think for your body to embolden him to take the sabbatical rest, a healthier version of Jeff is a healthier version of Creekside, amen? I believe that. And I believe you are a gift to this area and you are a gift to the East Bay. And as we continue, your church, my church, and many churches along the bay continue to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ without apology, in great authority, I believe that God will continue to bless our land. Amen? Amen. That's my hope and that's why I come here and I join you in a series called School of Faith. And today we'll be examining Moses' faith. And I I just assume that you're learning from from these characters and you're learning from their faith. And Moses is a rather interesting character. And if you've been a saint for many years, you, you know the life of Moses. And in preparation for the sermon, I actually ended up reading from Exodus to Deuteronomy. And at the end of Deuteronomy 34 in verses 10 through 12, it kind of gives an epitaph of Moses as he passes away at the ripe old age of 120 years old. And this is what it says. It says, And there has not arisen a prophet since Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him, for all the signs of the wonders of the the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all of his servants, to all the land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of Israel. In short, to all the Jews, there was no greater than Moses. In fact, Moses was the greatest Israel's prophet. In fact, so much so that God talked to him face to face, opposed to visions or even cloud of smoke. Or even a burning bush. He was Israel's greatest lawgiver after all. He delivered the Ten Commandments and upheld them. He was Israel's greatest historian. He wrote Genesis, Exodus, all the way to Deuteronomy. He was Israel's greatest saint. In fact, in Numbers 12, there's an account to say that Moses was the meek, meek the meekest person of all the land. He was by far Israel's greatest deliverers, deliverer because he set the people free. And yet... When we look at Hebrews chapter 11, you will not find a single one of those characters mentioned. Isn't that interesting? As we celebrate and as the author of Hebrews instructs us in being encouraged by Moses' faith, none of those characteristics are mentioned. In fact, only one. Do You know what that is? His endurance. Moses' endurance. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to ask the question, how does Moses encourage our faith to endure that's the hope if you have your bibles i hope you do would you turn to hebrews chapter 11 and i have the privilege and the joy of bringing god's word to you and as i always pray in my church and i'll pray now that the holy spirit will preach a better sermon than the one that you're about to hear from me hebrews chapter 11 starting verse 23 29 i'll read the entire thing you can follow along with me verse 23 by faith moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because he saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the sons, sons of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. And by faith, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. That is the word of the Lord for this great morning, the key passage in this verse, this passage is found in verse 27. He endured seeing him who is invisible. In fact, if you parse out the entire book of Hebrews, this is one of the main themes that surfaced from this book. This book was written to young Christians who were very perplexed and very confused because they had assumed that once they became a Christian, that all of their problems would go away. But obviously it didn't. They mistakenly thought that becoming a Christian meant that they were gonna have an easy life. C.S. Lewis once said, I didn't get into religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make me feel comfortable, I certainly wouldn't recommend Christianity. And likewise, the author of Hebrews encourages these Christians to endure, have faith. Now the word endure is a fascinating word in the Greek. It is a compound word, two words coming together like peanut butter, but this time it's hyperstand. Hyper means super and stand. Your ability to hyperstand is what endurance means. Your ability to long suffer, your ability to... Stay the course even when the gale force wind uh, hits you in your face. That somehow your legs, your foundation, your strength is displayed greatly, especially when circumstances of life become difficult. And so, the author of Hebrews shows how Moses was able to endure. And so, with the remaining of my time, what I want to show you is what Moses endured and how Moses endured in order for us to mimic his life that we may also endure. So first, how what did Moses endure? There are four crisis points that actually this passage addresses, and you'll see them with me. First, Moses endured the temptation of power and pleasures, which is a great temptation of ours in this day, the temptation to want to seek power and the pleasures of this world. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was grown, He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, you might know that Moses actually was a Jew adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, which makes Pharaoh his grandpa. And therefore, he was brought into the royal court, and he had all the success, all the incredible training, all the incredible power, all the incredible privileges of a royal court. After all, Pharaoh was by far the most important figure and the most powerful figure in the land, and Moses had all the benefits from that. And yet, Pharaoh, uh, in Egypt, there were a a community of Jews that were living, and they started becoming uh, stronger uh, in society and influence, so Pharaoh uh, felt a little threatened. And so what he did is he started um, oppressing them by turning them into slaves, and he began to beat them and to exploit their labor. And now Moses, that put Moses on the fence because he knew that genetically and and and, and nationally he was a Jew living in Egypt under Pharaoh's rule in his royal court. So he was going to have to pick a side. He was on the fence. He could have chosen to live and be, to be powerful, to receive all the be- Privileges and the benefits of the royal court or he was going to side with his people and yet be on the run forever. He couldn't do both. Well, one day he was out and he saw an Egyptian taskmaster beating a helpless Hebrew slave and in anger, Moses killed the Egyptian and buried his body in the sand and at that point, he made a choice to no longer take the advantages of being a member of the royal court but to join the ranks of those who would be mistreated as slaves. That he chose the life to be a fugitive rather than to live in um, lavish riches. And so Acts 7.22 says, Moses was educated in all the learnings of the Egyptians, and he was a man of great power in word and deed. And yet, he left all that. He left it in pursuit of obedience to God. Secondly, Moses endured the temptation of choosing the easy thing over the right thing. And this is a constant struggle for us today. Uh, We tend to gravitate towards the things that are easy rather than at the expense sometimes of doing something right. But Moses endured well. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king. Now, this meets us in the very next day. The very next day, Moses was confronted with another huge challenge And he saw two of his friends, Israelites, fighting with one another. And he walks up to them and says, hey, guys, stop fighting. And one of the guys turns to him and says, who made you judge and ruler over us? Are you going to kill me the way you killed the Egyptian yesterday? And then suddenly Moses realized that his murder was no longer a secret. That, in fact, he's been already found out that news was out. And yet, eventually, now Pharaoh's going to hear about it. And, um, and what's, what was even worse is that his own people was rejecting him, was suspicious about him. And suddenly Moses went from having influence over two people, the court of Egypt and also the Hebrews, to no people because now he's going to be a fugitive. And now his own people that he chose was suspicious of him. Now what's amazing is that Moses decided to do the hard thing even though it was not an easy thing. After all, he felt rejected by his own people. I mean, he could have gone back to Pharaoh and said, Oops, I made a mistake. Pharaoh, would you please forgive me? I killed a commoner. I don't know what got into me. I just did it. I was angry. What do you think Pharaoh would have said? Commoner? No big deal. Go wash your hands from it. Let's eat dinner. But he could have done that. But the other option was that he doesn't go back to the royal court, and he lives out his life as a fugitive, being faithful to the very people that are suspicious of him, that won't take his leadership. So the options were he could do the wrong thing and be safe, or he could do the right thing and be a fugitive. And he decided to do the right thing, even though it meant that it might cost him his life. So he endured. Third thing that we see here is Moses endured the temptation of giving into doubt. Now, we certainly could relate to this, can we? I mean, we're constantly in doubt. Verse 28, by faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not t- touch them. Now, you know, as Bible people and as as we look at the Bible through historical lens, we have a unique vantage point that makes it very easy for us that we don't consider the challenges within the context of the people that were actually living then. And You think about it, you realize how crazy it must have been in the time of Moses. I mean, they're like, go and kill a little furry animal. Get the blood, get a hyssop branch. And paint the blood over the three posts of the door. And when the evil destroyer comes, it's gonna pass over your door, saving your firstborn, sparing your firstborn. Now, that is a strange and radical, very specific instruction to an unprecedented ritual. I mean, he must have been full of doubt, as you and I would have been, but it says he kept the Passover, he was faithful. Why? Because he trusted God. Here's the fourth thing that we see here in this narrative. The temptation of giving into obstacles. Not only fighting his doubt, but when he saw obstacles, he continued to act in faith. Verse 29, by faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, they were drowned. This was another test. As he stood at the banks of the Red Sea, on one side he had the mountains, the other side he had this humongous sea to cross, but by faith Moses believed that even though there seemed to be no way, and as Pharaoh's army was chasing him with these chariots following him, he trusted that God would make a way, and so he faced the ocean, and he looked at his people and said, forward, let's go. There's no obstacle too great for God and literally walked into the sea and he endured. He hyperstood. He put his feet into the Red Sea and they passed through it. Now, so collectively, let's just gather up what he endured, his temptation to giving into pleasures, his temptation to give into power, doing the easy thing, Being faithful in his doubt and being faithful to obedience when there were great obstacles ahead. This is our life story. This is the challenge of this day, in the Lord's day, to be faithful in light of our obstacles. To be faithful in our doubt. To be faithful in not giving into the riches and the promises and the powers of this world. To be faithful of that. Church, how are we gonna do it? How did Moses do it? Well, let's look. How did Moses endure? Three things. First, he considered the reward. He considered the reward. Look at verse 26 with me. He says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. And he looked at the treasures of Egypt, and they were great, and he also considered the great rewards of God, and he assessed it two. The word consider is an assessment word, meaning that he was actually calculating. I see the great treasures in Egypt. I see the great reward and treasures of God. And he started weighing them out. Well, how did he do that? He assessed it. Well, do you know that Jesus also assessed, it, assessed when he was offered the kingdoms of the world by Satan? What did Jesus say? Jesus thought about it and said, worship God only. You know, Paul did the same thing. Paul in Philippians 3.8 says, I had it all, but I counted all as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. Now, it says Moses considered. How? He decided that the treasures that one could have was far too small in light of the treasures that one could receive as a gift if he was to simply follow God. In fact, it says that God, he says um, he rather choose God than the fleeting nature of the pleasures of this world. He uses the word fleeting. And this is a really, really key word for us to actually hold hold on to as we think about being faithful from season to season. Fleeting, he knew the immediate pleasures of sin will only last a short time. And so here's what he figured out, essentially. Moses realized that you're only as durable as the durability of the thing that you love most. I'll say that again because it's important. You're only as durable as the thing that you love most. As to say, if you love something that will never pass away, then you won't pass away. If you love the most the thing that will never be eradicated, then you'll never be eradicated. Opposed to if you love something ultimately, and you depend on that thing as your ultimate happiness, and that is fleeting, and that is fragile, then you too will be incredibly fragile. I'm only as durable to which I love most. So Moses chose the hot desert instead of a cool place. He chose to be thirsty and hungry instead of being quenched and full. He chose to be mistreated by the people of God rather than be lavished by the people of the world. Why? It says here, he knew, verse 26, he was looking to the reward. He knew that the eternal choices were going to outlast and outshine the immediate ones. And maybe second service, there would be more younger people I love to speak into. You're my people. (laughs) I know I don't look like it, but I'm over 50 years old. I've lived my life, and I continue to, I, I hope to live a few years more for the glory of God. But, To the young people, there was a Stanford study that was actually compiled after 40 years, and they said there's one indicator, one principle that kids could hold on to that determines their success in life. Do you know what that was? Delayed gratification. If children understood the power and the principle of delayed gratification, you see them as greatly successful people. But for those opposing, those people who actually love immediate gratification, then instead of, instead of saving money, they spend their money to get the little thing opposed to getting accrued in interest to buy the bigger thing, or, or that they immediately give in to their pleasures and have sex instead of waiting and hold on so that they would actually be gratified for something much larger, something much more beautiful later on because they restrain themselves because they committed to abstinence, whatever it is, Children and students and young people who actually know this principle do far better in life, and this is not a Christian article, this is a study by Stanford University, as to say the most successful people in life have the principle in them to actually defer to immediate gratification and delay their gratification. And this is exactly what Moses is doing, isn't it? He's looking at the reward, not his immediate reward, because if he was, then he would have stayed in Egypt. But he said, no, there's a reward that is coming, that is far greater, far more beautiful, far more lavish than the reward of Egypt. It's called the rewards of the kingdom of God. So Moses chose those things, and he knew that being lost in the desert for 40 years was nothing Compared to the 40 million years that he'll get to spend with his heavenly father. Amen? And that's our reality too. You see, you realize that Moses never got to see the promised land. You realize that? He never got to see. He died before he led everybody to the promised land. He was at the foot of the promised land. In fact, in the New Testament, specifically Matthew 17, Moses appeared in the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus came with Elijah. Remember that? He was the two joined figures with Jesus, Moses and Elijah. And basically when Moses came out, that was the first time he actually touched the promised land. And I wonder what he said. I think it went like this. Oh, uh, okay. A decent place, but I want to go back to heaven. I think that's his reality because the promised land was nothing compared to the better country that it was experiencing, the kingdom of God. And likewise, the true believers in Christ, the only thing that will outlive this world is the church and his people. Everything will turn into ashes, everything but the church will go on and on. And when all the billions of the stars in the universe will burn out like flickering lights, it'll just be spring season for the church of God. Things will blossom and things will grow in heaven because you and I are only as durable as the things that we love most. What do you love most? Do you love the things of this world that will one day and very soon will burn Or do you long to see the kingdom of God? Do you long to see his face? Do you long to be in his presence? Or do you love your political party the most, sexual attractiveness the most, productivity the most, your children the most, your relationships the most? They're all so, so fragile. But if your reward is in the dwelling place of heaven, then you and I will endure. That was Moses' principle. Here's the second thing. He obeyed despite the cost. Verse 25, "Choosing choosing rather to be mistreated. This is a choice that he made. Now, mind you, Moses is not a masochist. He's not seeking pain. He's not looking for suffering. But here's the difference. He decided to obey even though his obedience entailed suffering. When God showed Moses the cost of his obedience, Moses could have made some excuses and said, you know what, man, I I don't want to go out on the limb for these people. I'm, I'm trying to serve them. They won't even listen to me. They're complaining all the days. They're such ungrateful swine. They don't deserve my leadership. Why should I be faithful to them? They're blaming me when I'm trying to save them. Forget this. But here's what Moses learned when it looks like obedience involves a great cost, obey anyway. Obey anyway. Because you'll never regret the obedience that you give to God. In fact, I see many saints here, and I'm I'm assuming few of you have lived the Christian life for quite some time and quite faithfully, even though you're riddled with sin like me. And yet, wouldn't you agree that when you look back All the regrets that you have are moments when you could have obeyed, but you didn't. But there's not a single regret that you have in your life where you decided to obey, and that's not a regret at all. In fact, you never look at obedience of the past and say, Darn it, I should have disobeyed. Said no one ever than no one ever in this room. And yet, that might be the foretelling and really a projection to why we should obey today, even though it might be hard. And for some of you, the Lord, the Spirit is speaking to you and he's addressing exactly how you could obey. And it feels so daunting to you today. Some of us need to stay in our marriage Some of us need to be faithful to a friend. Some of us need to stop doing what we are in habit of doing. And it seems so daunting. And yet there's a cost to obedience. Obey anyway. Or we'll be just like this world. J.C. Ryle was a 19th century Anglican minister who once lamented that there were such feeble and weak worldly people in the church. And he says, they come to church and... They say they believe, but in practice, they prefer the world over God. Why do they prefer the world? He says, because they have no faith. They have no faith. And he goes on and says this, in short, they do not put implicit confidence and faith in the words that God has written and spoken, and so do not act upon them. They do not thoroughly believe in hell, and so do not flee from it, nor heaven, And so do not seek it, nor the guilt of sin, and so do not turn from it, nor the holiness of God, and so do not fear him, nor their need of Christ, and so do not trust him, nor love him. They do not have faith in God, and so venture nothing for him. And in some ways, this is a perfect description of the church today. Do you know how you could grow as an enduring person Don't obey when you feel like it. Obey especially when you don't feel like it. That's how you actually become an enduring person. Do you know what happens when you work out 20 minutes a day lifting nothing? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing happens. But what happens when you actually endure and lift weights that are causing resistance? In the same way, your obedience with resistance is far more building of your character in your life than without. That's the way it works. So whatever seems daunting to you, obey anyway. Lastly, Moses remembered who God is. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured a seeing him, listen, seeing him who is invisible. Now how did Moses see God who was invisible? See, Moses was simply reminding himself of who God was. Do you know how he did that? He basically says, man, Moses, why do I think that sometimes I'm better and wiser than God? I mean, that makes no sense to me. Leaving Pharaoh's palace seems like an idiotic move. You know, painting the doorpost with the blood of the lamb seems really, really impractical. And, and, And going to the Red Sea and deciding to cross it seems impossible. But every step of the way, God knew better than me, and that God is more sovereign than I, and that He is good, 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 and He's a good, good dad. And I know one thing my God, He makes better choices than I do. So I better listen to Him. And He reminded Himself to this invisible God over and over and over again. He lavished Himself in His mind in God's character. Now, it says Moses' endurance came from staring at the one who was invisible. But brothers and sisters, we now build up that endurance not by staring at the one that is invisible, but now we stare at the one that is actually visible, visible. Because when now we look at Moses, don't we see somebody in Moses? Yes, we do. The better Moses. That is Jesus Christ. Do you know that Jesus was the ultimate Moses? Do you know that Jesus left a way greater palace than Pharaoh's court? He left heaven. Do you know that Jesus also came down to his own, but they received him not? But the difference is Moses got suspicion and complaints. Jesus' people actually killed him. See? See? He wasn't threatened by his people. He was killed by his people. And when we see through the faithfulness of Moses and his obedience resulted in the saving of the Israelites, we look at the better Moses, Jesus, who through his obedience, through his suffering, didn't just save the Israelites, he saved and redeemed the entire world. And this is visible for us. We see what he did on the cross. But, we can't just stop at looking at the cross because when we stare at the cross, we see suffering. We see agony. We see the piercing. We see blood. But we must see through the cross because when we see through the cross, then it makes sense of the affliction on the cross. That through affliction comes justification, redemption, salvation, and ultimate glorification. God had a plan with the cross, a kind of plan through affliction that we cannot see. So now as we visibly see Jesus, our King and our Lord, we say, in my affliction, I know on the other end there is great redemption. There's great hope. There's great glorification that is coming. Therefore, I'm not afraid of affliction because I serve a good, good Father. I want to close with just giving you a story of mine that has really taught me a lot. Um, I have three children, and my second one is on the spectrum, autism spectrum, and when we discovered it, he was six years old, and it just broke our hearts, my wife and I. And it happened to be on his birthday, and so I decided, you know, I'm going to go big. You know what, Brennan? Let's go to the toy store and I'm going to buy you anything under this house. Nothing is the limit. There's no limit here unless it's under 30 bucks. All right, so like any, anything you want, go for it. Have your way. And so he went up and down the aisle trying to find the toy. He couldn't. Five minutes turned to 10 minutes, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. It was almost an hour. I was staring at my phone. I was bored. And eventually, I was turning into a a moment of great frustration. I'm like, choose something. I started pitching toys and cheap toys and near $30 toys, and he wouldn't have it at all. And I was just really frustrated, and I was at an aisle that I didn't care about. And I feel a tug in my leg, and I turn, and it's him. And he says, I go, did you pick a toy? no. He goes, daddy, you choose for me because you're a good dad. And you always make good choices. You want me to choose for you? Yeah, you always make good choices for me, daddy. That $30 limit went to $300. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, hey, you need a cell phone? You need a used car. Let's go. Like, let's, let's make this thing happen. You know what I mean? I mean, my little boy trusted in my goodness to say, I trust you, Dad. You make choices. Is your dad, your heavenly dad, a good dad? If he is, he makes better choices than you can. Would you trust him today? Will you trust him that you would endure and that you would apply your faith to see our heavenly father as a good father because he sent his own son to die on the cross for us. Let's pray together. Father, we want to invite you into our suffering because we know that suffering produces many good things. And I pray that we would be like Moses who would be faithful even in obstacles, even through our doubt, even when we're tempted by the temptations of this world, looking beyond and seeing that there's a promise ahead, the promise of you and your presence, and that one day and one day soon, we will live with you forever and ever. So help us to be faithful today. When we are with you, we will no longer need faith. Because we'll see it all. Our eyes will be completely open to the utter realities of Jesus Christ. But until then, help us to look at the cross, but help us to look through the cross. That through all of our obstacles and affliction comes a beautiful redemption. And one day, the glorification to come. We love you, Father. We love you for sending your only begotten Son. And we trust you today. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.